You're listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. Midtown Church is a family loved and served by God, compelled to love and serve each other and Austin with God. Learn more at midtownaustin.org. Hey, good morning, everybody. How y'all doing? How you doing? All right, good deal. All right, well, I am uh, really excited about our time together this, uh, today, and, and I'm really excited to be up here with my beautiful wife. This is going to be fun. We've talked about doing this for years, and it's uh, finally happening. So I've evaded it up good. until this point. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, we are continuing our Family Matters uh, series, which is, really takes place from the, uh, it comes out of the last part of the book of Ephesians, and we call it Family Matters because back, if you can remember, in the fall when we started Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 1, one of the things we learned is that uh, when you put your faith in Jesus' death and resurrection, you trust him as your Savior, you are adopted into the family of God. And so we, those who put their faith in Christ, like we're family. And God, our Father, has instructions for how our family is meant to uh, live together because he wants us to, to love each other and be united and all that. And so we see in his word the way that we're to treat one another. And there's a key principle found in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, where God tells us, hey, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so in this Family Matters series, we've taken that and made that our theme verse to say, okay, let's talk about how we as family can submit to one another out of reverence for Christ to love each other well. And uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but one of the cool things is that we've actually built this series based off of that. So we're kind of applying that by how we have laid out this series. And so week one, a couple weeks ago, we did a whole Sunday where it was just geared at the singles in our church. Uh, Even though half of our church is not single. But we said, okay, because the singles in our church really matter to us. And we know that it's helpful to have specific teaching to where you are at times. We said, those who are not single said, hey, we'll submit. We'll, go, we'll, we'll come to a Sunday to support you and learn what's going on with you and let you hear directly about what's going on in your life because you matter to us. And so we submit in that way. And then last week we did the same thing with dating because we know, man, dating in this day and age is so hard and complicated. We want you to hear wisdom and be encouraged into that stage. So everyone who's not dating says, it's okay. I'll come on a Sunday so that you can hear the teaching that you need right now because you matter. And today we're doing the same thing in regards to marriage, because when Paul says, submit to one another our reverence for Christ, where he goes next is into marriage. And so those who are not married, we appreciate you being here and being encouraging us and saying, submitting yourself in a sense to say, hey, it's okay. Let's do a talk on marriage so we can hear, you can hear how to be encouraged and how to walk according to God's design for marriage. So mm. we're, we're pumped up to get to talk about this. We are. We are so excited to get to talk about marriage. One, because we're big fans of marriage ourselves, and then also we're big fans of you. And whether you are single and wanting to be married at some time, or you are currently married, we are for your marriage. We want it to flourish and to thrive. And truth is, in 17 years of marriage, we've learned a few things. Um, One thing that I happened to learn is that when I married Jake Box, I also married Vacation Jake and Travel Jake. (laughs) And if you know Jake well, you know Vacation Jake is a lot of fun. Yes, I am. Travel Jake, not so much. 
No, I'm not. It turns out when Jake <laughs> travels, he gets so stressed out about all of the logistics, and he's just not that fun to be around. And it took us a real long time to learn that if I plan all the logistics and he's just along for the ride of travel, that we're both more fun to be around. Did you ever and see when... that show, Amazing Race? Like, that was Krista's favorite show ever, and she's always dreamed about us going on Amazing Race together. And then one day she said, hey, you know what? If I was on Amazing Race, I wouldn't take you. You would be miserable. <laughs> True story. I stand by it today. Um, but we have, we, I mean, all kidding aside, and as true as it is that Travel Jake is tough, um, what, we, what we've learned also is that we are more satisfied and happier in our marriage when we are operating under God's design for marriage. We see in Genesis 2.24 that God created marriage. And when he created it, there's a design that's set into it. And what we know is when we operate with something, when it's not how it was designed to be operated with, at best, it doesn't work real great. And at worst, it completely falls apart. Yeah, like uh, we were talking about this, I was thinking about my incredible Ford truck, which is, I just love so much and is way better than Rob Walton's Toyota truck. But um, <laughs> the, uh, but the, the, the one thing bad about my truck is that it's not exactly fuel efficient. But like, I would never dare fill my truck up with water instead of gas in order to save a few bucks. Why? Because I know that if I did that, it would destroy my truck. I have to operate my truck according to its design and according to the, how people, the people who made my truck, said it, it works. And when I do it, when I operate it or run it based on what they say, then it runs beautifully. Again, way better than Rob's truck. But marriage, friends, is like that. Like that marriage, when you get into marriage, you have to recognize that this is not a human created institution. That God is the one who created marriage and he designed it to work in a certain way. And if we disregard or reject his design for marriage, it's not going to run well. It will fall apart or at least it's just not going to operate well. And that will hurt people. And marriages won't thrive, and families won't thrive. But when you operate marriage within God's design, well, then you thrive, and your marriage thrives, and families thrive. And so we say, okay, God, out of his great love for us, has revealed his design for marriage in his word. And we want to look at that today to help us have these thriving marriages. Yeah, we're going to do that. We're going to look at God's design for marriage as we continue our study through Ephesians. So go ahead and go to Ephesians 5 whether it's in your Bible or on your Bible app. Um, and what we're going to see in this chapter is that the main thing that makes marriages run beautifully is this spirit-empowered mutual submission. Now, I'm going to say that again. The main thing we're going to see in chapter 5 is that the way that, that marriages function beautifully is by spirit-empowered mutual submission. Now, just to show you where we're getting that from, when you go to the, the like header verse of Paul's famous passage on marriage, it starts at verse 21, and it says to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, that verse is kind of an anchor verse. It's a bridge. And what it's doing is it's connecting everything that comes before that verse to everything that comes after. And so what comes before well, it's referencing back up to verse 18, where Paul commands us to be spirit-filled. And then after he says to be spirit-filled, he lists four marks 
of like defining marks of being spirit-filled. And that fourth one is submission. Now, here's what that means. Submitting to one another, it's not something that comes naturally. It's not something that you are just naturally gifted in. It has to be spirit-empowered. It takes supernatural power. It is made possible by the spirit. Because God's design for marriage includes this selflessness. So when you think of any really great relationship or especially marriage, what you're going to see is they're going to operate, both of them, with this attitude of, I'm here for you. I'm here for your good. I'm not in this for what you can bring me. But culturally, that's not how marriage is, is said to work, right? Like what we see in our culture today is you get into a marriage for what they can provide for you. And as long as you're making me happy, and as long as you're fulfilling me, and as long as you're meeting all my needs, we're good. But when you're not doing those things, I'm out. And friends, that way of operating within marriage is just the same as Jake filling his truck up with water. It's not going to function in this thriving, optimal, potential way. The only way that marriage is going to thrive in that way is through this selfless love, not selfishness, or mutual submission, not individual fulfillment. Man, she's, she's good, is she? The, um, okay, so that begs the question, right? Which is, okay, well, then what does this spirit-empowered mutual submission actually look like? How's that actually play out in marriage? Because if, if mutual submission is basically saying, like, yeah, you go first. No, you go first. No, you go first. And if that's the play, then, like, how in a marriage, if everyone's just saying, no, you go first, you go first, you go first, then how do you ever make a decision? Like, how do you ever even decide what you're going to eat for dinner? Like, no, no, let's have what you want. No, no, you have to have what you want. No, no. Like, it, you know, in seriousness, how, do, how does it function, this spirit-empowered mutual submission? Well, that's what Paul begins to flesh out for us in verses 22 through 33 when he turns to the topic of marriage. And what we see is though husbands and wives are both called to submit to one another, they submit to one another in distinct ways. And so let me read this passage. I'm going to read it all the way through. Just fly over it so we could have it all in our mind. And then Chris and I are going to try to chop it up a little bit. So if you will, follow along. We've got it up here too for you. So he says, starting in verse 21, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. And then verse 25, he turns to the husbands. Like, what submission look like for you? He says this, husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and they care for their body just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. And then he quotes Genesis 2.24, when God created marriage. He says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Okay, so 
This is one of those uh, makes people want to leave the church passages, okay? And we, we know that because there's parts in this that can be rather jarring, and I know that that resonates with you. You, you feel that too, so I do. Talk I do. Yes. Um, I have so much empathy for women when we hear these passages. And I have empathy because we hear these trigger words and we define them by things. And so we hear the word submit. And what we think is we think um, subjected. We think lack of value and void of voice. We tie it to obeying. And that's not what Paul's saying here. And then we also hear the word head or headship, and we think of this top-down authoritarian model of marriage, right? Where there's the head, which is like the boss or the husband, and then underneath that is the employee or the wife, and then children, and all the benefits flow up. And the thing is, is we haven't come up with these definitions just pulling it out of thin air, right? We've seen this modeled for us in the workplace, and in some cases, even taught to us in the church. And that's been really damaging. But here's the good news. That's not what Paul's saying here. And it's, more importantly, not what God designed. And we know that because when we look wide at Scripture, we see that God created both man and woman with equal value, worth, and even calling. And so when you look at Genesis 1, you see that we're both created in his image to love and lead creation. When you look at the life of Jesus, you see multiple ways that he is affirming the value of women in that time. And then even if we were to look narrow and just stick with Ephesians 5, we see here in verse 21 that we are called to mutually submit to one another. And so if he's not saying, okay, it's this top-down authoritarian model, then what does that model look like? And so that's what we're going to kind of dive into today. I want to suggest that the biblical Christian model of marriage is a symbiotic relationship. It's a relationship where there are two equal of value organisms that function in different ways together so that they both thrive. Now, a good example of a symbiotic relationship would be something like the clownfish and the sea anemone. <laughs> Which is a really hard word to say, especially on a microphone. Um, but the clownfish <laughs> provides nutrients for the sea anemone. I've said it right. And the sea anemone provides protection for the clownfish. And they work together. Is, is the husband the clown we'll here talk about or that the a later. enemy? The anemone. The enemy. more I can say about that. But um, they work together so that they both thrive. It's a mutually beneficial relationship where there's equality amongst diversity. And that's what Paul's going to flesh out here. He's saying that there is unity among diversity. You are both called to submission to one another. Let's look at what this looks like for each one of you. And so let's dive in. Wives, I get to tackle this with you guys, and I'm really excited about it. Okay, so when we dive into the parts of Scripture, they're speaking to wives and saying, in this symbiotic relationship, what does it look like for you to submit? The word submit in the Greek literally means to align under, but it implies, it gives this idea of aligning under for a purpose to accomplish something together. Now I want to suggest that a word that might resonate with us or paint a better picture for us today would be the word cooperate. 
And so what he's saying here is to cooperate. A dog just ran in the building. <laughs> okay, what he's saying here is to cooperate. <laughs> cooperate on your husband's team for the purpose of achieving the same goal. Now, this cooperation, this aligning under, I want you to hear me clearly on this. It's a choice. And we know that here in Scripture because he says, wives, submit yourselves. That's a, a choice. Do this yourself. Choose to do this. Not, man, get your wives to submit, right? He's saying, hey, this is a spirit-filled action. Choose to align yourself under, on your husband's team, to accomplish the same purpose. Now, let's talk about cooperate real quick. If you've ever led a team, most likely... You've had someone that you've led that's been uncooperative. Can you think of that person? That person is the one that shows up to the meetings with all the better ideas or maybe they're like just a little bit different word that's the much better word to use here. And there's just this air about them that they're all about their success, not team success. Or maybe even sometimes worse, they're just completely disengaged. And so they're technically on the team. They show up, but they don't really show up. And you're left wondering, are they even a part of this team? Do they even want to be a part of this team? That's uncooperative. And you know that that person has the power to not only slow down progress, but completely suck the life out of a team. Now, if you've had the privilege to lead somebody who's highly cooperative, it is so much fun. That's the person that shows up to the team. They are ready to play an active role. They are positive which I define positivity as being solution-oriented. And so they are being solution-oriented, active, involved, and you can tell that they are for team success over individual success. And man, they're fun to lead. And they bring life to a team. Okay, wives, are y'all seeing the picture here? We are called, Paul's calling us here to choose to be on our husband's team to accomplish the same goal, to be an active, cooperative, positive, solution-oriented member of that team whose voice is valued and wanted in the conversation, to bring all that you are to the table and to get on board. If I were to just kind of bullet point it out, I would say that submission is a choice. I want to be clear on that. It's an active role, not a passive role. It's cooperating with your husband's leadership for a purpose, and namely that pur purpose being your team's good and God's glory. If we had a summary sentence for it, which we do, um, it says, submission for a wife is a choice to actively and respectfully cooperate with her husband's leadership for your team's good and God's glory. Now, you might have seen that other trigger word in there, which is respect. Let's talk about it real quick. Where in scripture, particularly this passage, what we're seeing is submission is an action. It's that choice to actively play a role. Respect is an attitude. And so what respect looks like is it's saying, I recognize, it's having this posture of, I recognize the responsibility that you have. I believe in you. And I believe that you can be all that God has for you to be. It's that posture that you bring to the table. 
That's what respect looks like. So, wise, Paul is calling us to make a choice to actively and respectfully cooperate with our husband's leadership for our team's good and for God's glory. And just, just to say, like, when Krista relates to me in this way, like, it, uh, it does wonders for me in our, in our family. Like, I, there's, there's, there's just something about knowing that she has got my back and that she is for us and we're working together. And when she's bringing all that she is to the table and she is engaged with our family, like, we thrive as a family. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's really, really helpful. Like, right now, and I can't get into to real details on it, but like right now we're, we're, we're in a, a tough parenting season. And in this tough parenting season, um, or really any time that you, you run into something really hard, uh, it's easy to either want to, to disengage or to just grab the reins, to take control. If I was using a football analogy, it's, it's easier when things get really hard to just sit on the sideline or call your own play. But instead, what Krista has done is that she's huddled up with me. And we've huddled up and we've, we've uh, talked it out. We've listened to each other. We've prayed together. And then we've engaged our kids together. And, and in that, this, this, this sense of like having a teammate as we seek to lead our family, I, I look to the responsibility of, of, of really seeing our family thrive and knowing that she's with me in that. It just is so powerful. It's really a beautiful thing. It's what God is, is his desire for marriage. And it has done wonders for me and for our family as a whole. When I do want to call out... Um... Being able to set aside my own agenda, which quite frankly, I'm usually pretty fond of my own agenda. I think it's real good. I usually think it's good too. I will it say usually that. is real good. Um, but being able to set aside my own agenda and team up in this kind of selfless way, uh, it takes a lot of trust. It takes a whole lot of trust because it's a really vulnerable place to be. And it leaves you asking the question, okay, if I've got your back, who has mine? And I don't know if you feel that tension, but like I have felt it so strong at times. And this is what I've had to realize is I've got to ultimately trust that who has my back is God. I've got to ultimately know that he's the one that cares for me. He's the one that's looking out for me. He's the one that's out for my good. Now, husbands. The really sweet thing is, is that I'm not left in that place because as Jake lives out this next part of the passage, this calling to husbands, what it does is then it grows in me an ability to trust him, to trust that he has my back as well, and he is out for my good as well. And so why don't you go ahead and unpack this next part of the passage? Okay, yeah. And so if you take the question, that's, well, that's like, what does submission look like for the wife? If you didn't pose the question, well, what, what then does submission look like for the husband? Like, in what way does a husband submit? I would say it's this. Simply put, husbands are called to submit their lives for their wives. You like a good rhyme. And I love a good rhyme. And so, like, it's true just because it rhymes. But it, it is true. It, it, Husbands are called to submit their lives for their wives. And, and let me just say real quick, um, that is just about impossible to do, okay? Especially to do that consistently, men, you don't have what it takes. But God does. 
And so it goes back to how important it is that we are like spirit empowered, that we're filled with the spirit, that this mutual submission is a spirit empowered thing. And you guys, men, husbands, you have to be walking with God to love your wife the way that God designed for you to love your wife. Because look at how he's called us to live. Let me just read it again. It's husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's a high calling, right? And then later he says, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. That he who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for it. Those words better translated really are they nourish and they cherish their body just as Christ does the church for members of his body. Like this is how we're called to love our wives, men. Now, a couple of things to point out from this. First is this. Uh, this is a command. And so unlike verse 22, where wives are told to submit yourself, meaning like you got a choice in this, here the, the, the choice isn't there for the guys. This is a straight-up command. Like you are to love your wife just as Christ loved the church. All right? And so uh, the other thing to say here is that this word for love is the Greek word agape. Now, we men might wish that it was the Greek word eros, which that would be like men make love to your wives. But that's not what he's saying. He's saying agape is love your wives. And love your wives is this, this agape term is this unconditional, sacrificial, self-giving sense of love. It's the love that we see uh, in John 3.16. It's the same word. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. It's this word that Jesus uses in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5.44, where he says, love your enemies. Like this is the love that Jesus has for us, as we see in this passage, for the church, that Jesus loved us in the same way. It's this incredible love. So you think, okay, well, what is, how has Jesus loved us. What does Jesus' love for us look like if that's the kind of love we're supposed to have for our wives? Well, think about it, friends. He literally died for us. Like he, he literally gave up his life so that we could be made alive in him. Which is why, ladies, if your husband is ever foolish enough to say to you, wife, submit, you turn to him and say, husband, die, all right? Because that's what, that's what husbands are called to do for their wives here, all right? And so this, 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 this thing, this okay is, you, you like that? Alice is still laughing. She's, <laughs> be careful, Cliff. Um, the, uh, see, Jesus' love for us is this, this humble, initiating, sacrificial love. And I say initiating because uh, Jesus didn't wait for us to ask him to serve us, that he took the initiative. He saw what we needed, and he provided what we needed even at great cost to himself. Mm -hmm. So husbands, instead of thinking, okay, well, you know, if my wife is like, serving me and meeting my needs and doing what I want her to do, then, yeah, okay, well, I will serve her, and I'll meet her needs, and like, she scratches my back, I'll scratch her back. No, that's not the kind of love that husbands are called to have through wives. In fact, it goes so far as to say that the wife's response in this is uh, not a part of the equation. The husbands, we are called to love our wives with an unconditional, initiating, self sacrificing, self-denying love. Because that's how Jesus has loved us. Um, and we're supposed to do all of that 
for her flourishing. For her flourishing. I say for her flourishing because that's what Jesus was after when he gave himself up for the church, his bride. Like as it says, he did that to make her, to make us, the church, holy and to cleanse us and to restore us back to this radiant, unblemished people that we were always meant to be. And friends, that's what he has done for us. Like that's who we are because of how he's loved us. Well, I just want to interrupt real quick as an aside um, because I know that we have divorced people in our church body and I just want to speak to this real quick. If you have anything in you that's looking at your past and you are struggling with it, you're feeling guilt or grief, um, embrace what Christ did for us in this. Recognize there is no condemnation. There is freedom that we find in Christ. He has washed it clean. And so if, you know, hearing about marriage or you're just even walking in your day-to-day and you're thinking back and you're feeling that, remember this is who God is and this is what he's done for all of us. We're all holy and blameless in his sight because of how he has loved us, that God's love for us makes us flourish. And if you're not experiencing that, then you haven't really fully received what he is giving you, okay? And we want to encourage you in that, all of us in that, all right? But back to husbands real quick, okay? Uh, for, most, <laughs> when we, for most of us, like I want to try to make this practical because when you hear like this self-giving, sacrificial kind of love, most guys, like we, we want to think of something epic. So it's like, okay, I'm going to like, like if submission for the guy is submission, it's submitting my life for my wife. It's like, okay, well, I, that's what I want to do. So like if there's ever a guy that pulls a gun and points it at my wife and right before he pulls the trigger, I'm going to dive out in front of her and take the bullet so that then I'm lying in her arms and I'm looking up at her. And as my last dying gasp, I say, I love you. And then it's like, I did it. I, I did what, what I'm called to do. No, that's, that's not actually what Paul is getting at here. I mean, you can do that. You can, no, sure. But <laughs> the love that this is describing, friends, is this, is this like die to yourself a hundred times a day kind of love. Mm-hmm. This is, in a sense, death by a hundred cuts, if you will. Uh, where you're every day denying yourself in order to love your wife, to see her flourish. And so, like, just to get practical, like, for me, like, this looks like me doing the laundry at our house. Like, I'm going to do all the laundry. That's the way I bless my wife and serve her. Or this looks like uh, on Mondays, which is my day off, because I, I don't know if you I work on Sundays. And so, uh, Monday is my day off. And so, I, but because our kids are doing virtual school, like, I oversee their virtual school on, on Monday so that Krista can get out of the house and have time to herself and also work. She does her job on Mondays. But, like, I try to serve her in that way. Or it's like knowing my wife well enough to know that she does best when we have a trip planned. And that trip can be a year out. But if we have it planned and it's on the calendar, then she's happy even though that means she's going to have to travel, travel Jake. But when I get there, I'll be vacation Jake, so it'd be good. But like she, like I know that. So I try to plan those things way out in advance with her because that's a part of just, that's, that's part of what this, I and mean, then it looks like a million different things. But let me give you a, uh, a definition like Krista did for the wives. It's, you'll notice that there's a lot of similarity here, but a couple of really important differences. Here's what it is for husbands. Submission for a husband is a command. Not a choice, a command to lovingly and sacrificially initiate for your wife's flourishing and God's glory. That as a team, we're sacrificing for our team, our marriage's flourishing, 
for our good. But husband, you have a unique responsibility to do this for your wife's flourishing Mm -hmm. and for God's glory. And so um, there are just a tons of ways to do that. But uh, for sake of time, let me just give you a couple big buckets, right? Mm -hmm. The first one is this. It means, husbands, we need to lovingly initiate communication and romance, okay? And so think about communication. Like you need, guys, you need to actually, though it takes sacrifice for us at times, like you need to actually sit down with your wife and open up to her. Tell her not just what happened that day, but do that, but also what's going on in your heart, what's going on in your mind, what are you dreaming about, to where she can know you, and then you also need to ask her questions to draw her out so you can know her fully. And then you need to pursue her, pursue her romantically, that she would know that she is cherished. Because, friends, that's what Jesus has done for us. He pursues us, he cherishes us, we know it by how he loves us. So this Lovingly initiate communication and romance. That's one big thing. The second thing would be sacrifice for her flourishing. And we say that, I mean, not just, uh, well, I mean, every, like all holistic flourishing. So think spiritually and relationally and emotionally. And you could keep adding to that. And so um, I know that one of the things that cause some guys ask when they hear this is they think, okay, well, what does that mean like? I, I need to say yes to every single thing she ever asked for, right? Because <laughs> I'm for her flourishing. And, uh, and the answer, sadly, women, is uh, no, it's not, it's not every time. Because listen, guys and girls, we all have this in common. We sometimes want something that will not lend itself to our flourishing, especially our flourishing under God in light of what he says flourishing is and he knows best because, you know, he's wise and good and perfect and all that stuff. And so we will want things at times that will not lend to our flourishing. So it's not that we don't, it's not that we say yes all the time, but it is this, friends. Husbands, it means you need to be a student of your wife. You need to know what helps her flourish. And you're going to learn that by listening to your wife and watching your wife. I mean, I think 1 Peter 3, 17, where it says, uh, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding manner. Like, you need to be a student of your wife. In fact, in our notes, Krista highlighted this part. She's like, oh, that's good right here. She said, so study your wife. Continuously, regularly ask God, your wife, and yourself, what does she need to help her fully be who she is meant to be under God? And then do all you can to supply her with the time and resources to accomplish that. For that is what Christ has done on our behalf. Now, one more thing to add to this is that sometimes, guys, when we think about uh, uh, helping our wives flourish uh, spiritually, we kind of get in this weird idea of like, okay, well, that, does that mean I got to be her Bible teacher? And I want to be clear, it doesn't necessarily mean that. If that would help your wife flourish, flourish, she wants you to do that, then by all means, do that. But that doesn't, most wives, I don't, most wives don't like, I'm looking to you to be my one Bible teacher. That's not how most people work. Krista certainly doesn't do that with, with me. And so what this looks like for me, helping her thrive spiritually, is for me to say, oftentimes, just say, hey, hey, let me watch the kids so that you have time to get together with your huddle, with your, with your discipleship group, so you can hang out with your girlfriends, and y'all can help each other grow. And so I watch the kids for her to be able to thrive spiritually. Or it looks like a husband saying, hey, let, let's go to church this Sunday. Or let's make time. I know it's busy, but, like, let's be at MC this week. Okay? Like, let's help each other thrive 
spiritually, that we really flourish in that way. Um, and if we do, husbands, if you love your wives in this way, submitting your selfish desires to lovingly and sacrificially initiate on her behalf, here's what will happen. It will help her trust you. More easily, not that it's ever easy, but more easily choose to cooperate, to actively cooperate with you in this beautiful symbiotic relationship that God designed when he created marriage. Yeah, I, um, you know, would love to share stories about Jake, but I don't want his head to get big because y'all know how he gets. Um, you have but... taken so many shots at <laughs> You gave me a microphone. Um, <laughs> But I do want to say uh, it'd be amiss for me to not say that he does this really well. And I can honestly stand before you today and say that I flourish as a result of his sacrificial love towards me. I flourish professionally, spiritually, emotionally, relationally. I am better because of the way that he loves me. When we got married, I didn't lose part of myself. I gained, I grew in who God had for me to be. And y'all, putting these pieces together, if both husband and wife are loving out of this sacrificial, mutual, submissive, I'm here for you, I'm here for you kind of love, it's beautiful. And it's, it breeds intimacy and trust and so much joy. But here's the, the deal. It doesn't stop there. It, does, it doesn't just create joy. It points to something so much bigger than us. And in fact, that's what God designed all along, right? When we continue to read through this chapter, we get to verses 31 and 32, where Paul is referencing Genesis, and he's talking about how you know, the husband and wife relationship should reflect that of Christ and the church, his people. And he says that it's a profound mystery. Now, when he says profound mystery, he's not saying, like, this is confusing. We can't ever understand it. He's saying this is something that was once hidden. And it's now revealed. It's now displayed. It's something we can now visually see. Because the marriage relationship is meant to reflect that relationship that Christ has with the church. Um, I love this quote by Rebecca McLaughlin. I'm going to just kind of read it to you, you guys. You said it right. Way to go. I she did. always says Sarah McLaughlin. I say Sarah and then we start McLaughlin singing. Every but, single time. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but yeah, that's not the right name. Okay. She says This signpost to Christ is why husbands and wives are called to different roles. Like Christ in the church, it's love across differences. Like Christ in the church, it's love built on sacrifice. Like Christ in the church, it's a flesh-uniting, life-creating, never-ending, exclusive love. Marriage is meant to point us to Christ. Our unity in marriage tells a bigger and more beautiful story and points people to Christ. Yeah, and when that does, it, people are drawn to Jesus. And like that's, friends, that's actually what happened in the first century. Like when Paul pinned these words to the church in Ephesus, it, uh, it was counter-cultural to the extreme to limit the power that a man had 
over his wife. And to call a man to submit to his wife out of reverence for Jesus was just, it was unbelievable in Greco-Roman times. And also, you could say, for wives that day to actually respect their husband, that, that was pretty unheard of as well. And yet, that's what Christians in the early church began to do. And husbands and wives began to mutually submit to one another according to God's design. It caught the attention of the Roman Empire. I mean, have you ever wondered how a culture like Rome that was so against Christianity actually adopted it? Well, for many, it was because of what they saw in the Christian marriage. For in the Christian marriage, they saw women elevated and esteemed and valued and loved as daughters of God. And they saw men elevated to the point that they no longer acted like beasts, enslaved to their own selfish desires and instead acting like the sons of God. And they saw children thriving in that context, and as a result, people were drawn to Jesus. And friends, God can use Christian marriages that follow his design for marriage. He can use them today to display the gospel and have a profound impact still. But it will only happen if we are filled with the Spirit empowered by the Spirit of God to mutually submit to one another out of reverence for Christ according to his wise and beautiful design. That's what we need. Mm-hmm. Friends, if you're thinking, I need to try harder, then you've missed what we've been trying to say. Mm-hmm. You need the Spirit of God. You don't have what it takes to love each other in this way apart from him. But with him, you can, and it's beautiful, and it's mm-hmm. life-giving. We need the Spirit. So we got some homework for you, and we're going to wrap up with this, okay? Two pieces of homework. First piece is this. Uh, uh, married couples, and, but this one actually, I could say, applies to all of us, all right? And that is uh, be filled with the Spirit, all right? Be filled with the Spirit. For any of us to live out 521, the submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, which applies to everybody, we need to be filled with Spirit. For husbands and wives to do that within marriage, you definitely need the Spirit of God. And so here's what I want to challenge you to do. Spend time with God, friends. Don't let this be the one time that you think about and interact with God this week. Tomorrow morning, open up your Bible. Start your day with your hands raised to God. God, I need you. I'm here to hear from you. Please fill me with your spirit. Speak to me. And then read his word and look for ways to apply it in your life. Be filled with spirit. Let the spirit of God transform you by the renewing of your mind. You need Him And friends, you also need the Spirit because the Spirit pours Christ's love into our hearts, according to Romans 5. And we need the love of Christ poured into our hearts for us to be able to love generously our wife or our husband. Because you have to have love to give love. If your source for love is your spouse, then you can only give back to them what you're getting from them. And that eventually runs out. But if you have another source that God's love is being poured into, his unconditional, never-ending, unbelievable, great love for you is being poured into your heart by the Spirit of God, then you will always have love to give to your spouse. So please, please, please spend time with him. Be filled with the Spirit. That's your first piece of homework. Everything else is is just not worth even trying because you can't do it apart from that. But start there, and then from there, Go to this part. <laughs> Second piece of homework, married couples, go on a date. But on that date, we want you to have a conversation. Wives, 
I want you to do this. I want you to ask your husband, do you see me as an active, respectful, cooperative member of your team? And then I want you to listen. I want you to listen to what he says. What's his response? Does he see you actively and respectfully cooperating with him? Then husbands, I want you to ask this to your wife. I want you to ask, are you flourishing relationally, spiritually, emotionally as a result of my love for you? And I want you to listen, and I want you to hear her response. Now, after you do that, I want you to come up with a little bit of a plan of action. How are we going to grow in this? How are we going to take some steps towards this? Some of you, this is going to be a really engaging and fun conversation. But many of you, it's going to bring up some really hard things. And I just want you to know that that's okay. That's not abnormal. It's going to bring up some some things that maybe weren't dealt with or maybe ways that you're still struggling to trust one another. But I don't want you to just push it aside. I want you, your plan of action to be, let's seek out somebody that can help us here. Maybe that's a counselor that can be that third voice to help you navigate those hard things. Or honestly, I know we offer this up all the time, but even if you reach out to Jake and I, We are for you. We are for your marriage. We are for you as a team. And one of the most life-giving things we get to do is champion another couple's marriage. And so maybe it's inviting us in and saying, hey, here are the hard things that came up on that date night. Can you help us navigate? And know that our posture towards you is yes. Yeah. And then also, you could fill out this Family Matters survey, and you could find college students or other people in our church that are willing to watch your kids so you can go on that date, and you can do that double date with a couple that's further along with you and say, hey, help us with that. I mean, it's like this is amazing that we put this together. Y'all should take advantage of that. (laughs) Okay, guys, let's end with this. We love you and care for your marriages more than you could possibly actually know. We pray for you and your marriages to be healthy regularly. We are for you and want to resource you as much as we can so that it, you thrive. And so I hope that this morning was a small step in that direction, even though we could not possibly cover all that there is to cover about God-given healthy marriages. And hopefully this is a really good start. So I'm going to pray for us and, and close our time. Father God, I thank you. I thank you that you designed marriage. And I thank you that you created it in a way that not only reflects your glory, but also is so fun and life-giving to get to be a part of. Father, I know, I know that some people in this room or on Zoom, they have so many stories of how this passage has been used against them or mistaught or misunderstood so many triggering words, and I just pray that you would break through all of that, that you would use our our humble attempt to be able to just share the beauty of what you've designed and that you would radically bring health to the marriages at Midtown Church. I pray, God, that people would see the marriages within our church family and they would be drawn to you, that they would stand in awe 
of the health and the flourishing that they see in the individuals and then together and that they would want that for their marriage. I pray that you would use this uh, time this morning in a really powerful way. And it is in your name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this ministry has blessed you. If you would like to support this ministry, you can donate at midtownaustin.org.